There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and with me today here at Cleveland Clinic Lutheran Hospital is Dr. William Seitz. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr. Seitz is a Cleveland Clinic orthopedic surgeon, and today we're talking about hand pain, what causes it, and what can be done to relieve that pain. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So, because our hands and our arms are so interconnected, could hand pain be stemming from a different part of the body altogether? Absolutely. Um, the fingers are the antennae that start to explore the world when we're infants, and we use them as tools as we, as we get older. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the very tips of your fingers are interconnected by nerves to the opposite side of your brain. So there's direct circuitry from your brain to your fingers. So anywhere in between, if there's a problem, one can perceive pain in the in the hand or the wrist or in the upper arm, uh, and it doesn't matter where the uh, where the problem may occur. It can be referred down to the hand, or if it's in the arm, it can be referred up towards the neck as well. So uh, besides nerves, what can hand pain stem from? Hand pain can stem from a lot of things. Actually, the nerves are the 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 entities, the the actual physical uh, vessels that that uh, perceive pain and transmit it to our brains and make us realize that something is wrong because it hurts. But all of the structures uh, throughout the the limb have nerve endings on them. So the skin, the subcutaneous tissue, the tendons, the joints, the ligaments in the joints the bones that, that span joints, all of them have nerve endings in them. Mm -hmm. And when they're injured, when they're stressed, they can transmit symptoms which feel like pain. Wow. So there's a lot to diagnose there. Um, but before knowing where that pain is coming from, let's say I do have hand pain at home, how do I know the cause of that pain? Are there questions I should ask myself before seeing a physician? Sure, well, first of all, obvious things like, did I, do I remember injuring that part of my body? Um, it, does it look red? Is it swollen? Does it feel hot? Things that might suggest an infection. Um, was I playing sports or did I start a new workout that was very strenuous? Things like that can give you a, a really good sense of whether or not uh, there was an instigating cause mm -hmm. of this. And it, there may or may not be, but those are simple things to ask. The other thing is to ask, how long has it been there? Um, did it just start this morning? Because a lot of times we'll wake up with a, with a new ache or pain, but if we give it a little time, it'll quiet down and you don't need to go running off to the doctor. So it needs to be consistent before you go to yeah, see. or or at least you know the if if it it can be uh, repetitive, it can be recurrent and become chronic, mm -hmm. and then that's certainly something that you want to look into. All right, thank you. So, let's talk about the most common condition involving hand pain. What would you say that is? Well, um, 
Probably uh, it depends on the age group. Okay. In young, active people, it's probably stress from overactivity, not necessarily overuse, but overactivity. Could be from repetitive minor trauma or a single uh, uh, substantial trauma. As we get a little bit older, it can be more from some wear and tear on our tendons, a tendonitis, or uh, as we get even more senior, or as I like to say, collect more miles on our bodies, uh, our joints can start to wear, and that's what's called arthritis. Mm -hmm. Okay. So arthritis, meaning joint inflammation, right? Because we have over 100 Correct. types of arthritis. So let's talk a little bit about that and how we, we would know what kind of arthritis that I have on my hands. Sure. Well, there are, you're, you're exactly right. Arthritis means inflammation of a joint. And again, the lining of the joint has nerve endings, and when it gets inflamed, they don't like it, and they respond by telling our brain we have pain. Um, more often than not, this is a wear and tear arthritis. It can come from wearing down of the cartilage, and we start to get bone on bone, and that can start to cause reactive inflammation in the joint, and as a result, then we start to perceive pain. That's probably the most common source of, of, pain, of, of the pain. This type, of, this type of arthritis, osteoarthritis, if you will, uh, can be the result of multiple repetitive traumas over years, or it can be the result of a single trauma which injured the joint, mm. and therefore what once was a nice, smooth-fitting uh, uh, engine part, if you will, mm -hmm. now is out of round, and it's irregular, and it's rough, and that's what triggers this, these symptoms. Mm -hmm. Other forms of arthritis include inflammatory types of arthritis, and this can be something that can be this, the, caused by uh, rheumatoid arthritis or other uh, rheumatoid-like arthritis uh, um, entities such as um, uh, lupus arthritis. Mm -hmm. It can be part of, there can be other inflammatory arthri arthritis such as um, uh, the arthritis associated with psoriasis, uh, the arthritis that may be that may be uh, the result of gout, where crystals build up inside the joint uh, because uh, someone is not processing certain certain uh, chemicals well, and so these chemicals build up in our blood. The chemicals called uric acid, and when it gets too high, it precipitates out just like salt in a it you know in in a, in a pot that that uh, has has uh, become too concentrated, and these crystals come into the joint and they act as like sand in the crankcase of an automobile. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work well. So does then that pain then come gradually or it's it, not? A it can. Uh, and, and a lot of times you can have arthritis, i.e. the wear that we see in, in, in joints and substantial uh, changes in the joints, but without a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. There's no rhyme or reason really why some people have more pain with less arthritis or very little pain with very severe arthritis. Mm -hmm. Probably has to do with people's uh, tolerance, but but um, I guess it all depends on on you know how hard they're using those joints. So, what do these symptoms look like for arthritis in your hand, and how is it different than other conditions that can be sure. causing hand pain? They focus around the joint. So, our our uh, all of our moving parts in our musculoskeletal system are bones that are connected together at a joint. That joint is covered with joint cartilage. And they're held together with ligaments, and they're motored by muscles and tendons. Mm -hmm. So it is the, the where the two bones come together on the uh, their surface is is 
got a coating, a very uh, smooth cartilage. And that cartilage um, normally tracks very nicely like two little machine parts. When there's something that causes inflammation, they will swell. If it's an acute inflammation, they will swell substantially, they will get red, they can get hot, and they can become stiff and even immobile. Mm -hmm. And that can be the sign of an acute flare-up of something like gout or pseudogout or rheumatoid arthritis or even other rheumatoid-like arthritic conditions such as um, psoriatic arthritis or lupus arthritis. Mm -hmm. And there are many other inflammatory-type arthritis. Additionally, there may have been an acute injury that we sort of brushed off mm -hmm. And suddenly we realize that the joint isn't moving. Again, it's inflamed. It may not be as, as hot, but it may be discolored, like it's black and blue. Mm -hmm. And and those also can be signs of pain, but they but um, of, of of an arthritic condition. But they occur actually in in the joint itself, where where the where there's movement, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to if there's just sort of some more vague, diffuse pain that goes above and below the joint, which may be a sign of tendonitis, it may be a sign of uh, some nerve irritation, uh, it could be a, a sign of uh, a ligament sprain, so forth. So let's talk about the cause of arthritis and whether it is genetic. Um, like, for example, a lot of people think typing too much can cause maybe arthritis. Is that a fact or myth? Well, it's, it's not so much that the uh, that, that the something like typing can cause arthritis, but if you have arthritis, if you have a joint that has some worn surface areas and you do a lot of movement, that can irritate it. Mm -hmm. So the movement can cause some some irritation. Um, uh, but the but the reality is that uh, that the the uh, arthritic condition itself isn't really caused by typing. Now you asked about about uh, genetics. Uh, we, we all have a certain amount of genetic predisposition to certain things just simply because we have inherited our frame, our body size, habitus, muscle mass from our parents. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's not uncommon where you see that you know over a series of generations, there are certain joints which are, tend more to be arthritic. Mm -hmm. um, there are other types of arthritis, however, which are distinctly genetic uh, traits which are transmitted, and they tend more to be in the inflammatory arthritic categories, such as um, rheumatoid disease and inability to handle certain proteins which can lead to the, the cause of, of gout, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's considered an autoimmune <clears throat> disease, correct? Rheumatoid diseases, yeah. you know, and, and, and other types of inflammatory diseases are mm -hmm. uh, not uh, not gout, but, right. but again, you know, you, your your inability, one's inability to to process certain proteins can lead to the buildup of these um, elevated levels of uric acid in your system. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, um, the genetic characteristics are more just what you inherited from your parents in terms of your skeletal mm -hmm. architecture. Okay, great. Now, how do you diagnose um, arthritis in the hands? What kind of tests are done? Well, first of all, you take a good history. You listen to the patient. You talk to the patient. You have them tell you uh, 
the answers to some of the questions that I alluded to in the beginning. You know, how long has it been there? Did you have an injury? Has this been recurring? Is it is it been there for a long time? Does it have peaks and valleys? Have you tried taking any anti-inflammatory medication? Does that make it better? Um, so those are those are a lot of a lot of questions that we asked, and based based on the answers, you know, when there's a lot of yeses in there, and we focus more on the uh, I know on the, uh, the the possibility that this could be arthritis. Mm -hmm. We then do a careful examination and we determine is it is it movement of the joint that causes the pain? Is it the joint itself that's tender and and sore when we when when we stress it, mm -hmm. or is it some other structure that may be mimicking an arthritic condition? And then, based on the history and the physical examination. Um, we should have a pretty darn good idea. Now, sir, you know, especially in the hand, uh, there's, there's very little meat, if you will, yeah. covering our skeletal architecture. So if, if, a, if a hand has some arthritic conditions or a wrist or an elbow even have, have significant arthritic conditions, we can see the swelling. We can see the reactive bone that may form the bumps and so forth. That can be a... a uh, pretty good indicator that, that this that this arthritis has been around for a while. Maybe it's only becoming symptomatic now, but it's probably been there for some time. And finally, then, after we've taken a good history and done a physical examination, we look at imaging studies. And for the most part, plain x-rays, simple x-rays, are usually more than enough to determine whether or not there's arthritis. I can't tell you how many people I see who come in with, without having had a good, you know, history taken, a good physical examination or simple X-ray. They come in with a, you know, very expensive test like an MRI in their hand, which, which, which really doesn't add an awful lot. Right. Because no, you need I, that. You need background information. Yeah, yeah, and you need to do the simple things first. We have to also recognize that um, we need to conserve our healthcare dollars. Um, the, now, are, are there roles for things like an MRI or a CAT scan? Of course there are, but not in every case. Okay. It's very good to know. Mm -hmm. Good. So let's talk about treatments. Now, arthritis has no cure. So what kind of treatments do you give someone with arthritis? Well, most arthritis, you know, um, doesn't have a cure. Mm -hmm. Some with, uh, with some of our newer drugs that our rheumatology colleagues uh, are using today can actually reverse some of the inflammatory arthritis uh, or at least arrest it. So uh, that's, that's, that's a, been a, a huge advance uh, in, the, in the last generation and a half, if you will. Um, but uh, there are a lot of things that we can do to identify not just that there's arthritis and treat what we see on an x-ray, for example, mm -hmm. but to ask uh, are there things that are that are being done on a daily basis which we could do differently? Um, if somebody is knows that when they when when they go to play tennis mm -hmm. and they grip the racket and they hit the ball, their hand hurts, their wrist hurts. Maybe we can make some modifications in the racket. Maybe we can make some modifications in the stringing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do some exercises before playing. Which get the flexibility and the and the uh, ability to to safely play mm -hmm. uh, better. Maybe yeah. we just avoid some strokes for a while. 
and that sort of thing. Okay. But but the but the reality is that again it goes to, it goes back back to taking a good history and figuring out what the instigating causes are. Once we know that, then we can avoid some of those things. Heat is, you know, in the in the in the in the uh, long term is is much more effective than cold in most cases. Mm -hmm. uh, think about it yourself. If you know if you have a little bit of ache somewhere and you get up in the morning, you get under a hot shower. Your body goes, ah, oh, that feels good. If you accidentally get under a cold shower, everybody tenses up like right. that. So the idea is if you can get the joints relaxed through some heat, and the best way to do that literally is to soak your hands and wrists in warm water, let them sit there for a couple of minutes, and then just work on flexibility exercises. Um, and and that, that can help dramatically. Uh, there are certain joints which uh, may... You may be um, irritated during the night when you sleep just because when we're asleep, we don't realize how much we're moving our limbs. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes a little splinting at night can help. During the daytime, we want to keep the joints moving, but maybe they need a little support. So we have flexible little supports for joints that can be used. Excellent. So I kind of want to talk about diet. Now, there's some food that is known to cause inflammation, like sugar. Are there types of foods that you should avoid if you are having... Uh, you know, pain or arthritis in your hand? You know, I, I think, honestly, um, the, the, uh, an individual's diet doesn't really cause arthritis, mm -hmm. but if you have arthritic joints and you're overweight, you want to make sure to control the calories. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you take a can of soda, you bring it to your mouth like this, there's a your hand has to grasp it, it has to lift it, mm -hmm. and you know you it should be a reminder to you that maybe maybe something without calories or unnecessary calories would would be better. Um, but the other thing is that there are there are disease entities such as diabetes, mm -hmm. which if you have uh, predisposition to, all the more reason to eat well and avoid um, consuming products that can elevate your blood sugar in a test called the A1C, mm -hmm. um, which, which can you know, keep the, the, the diabetes um, much more active than it should be. Mm -hmm. So we can control a lot of that by diet. But I, you know, I don't, there really isn't any good food or bad food in terms of, in terms of arthritis. Uh, people always ask me about you know food supplements like chondroitin and glucosamine. Mm -hmm. They're proteins, proteins, and they're proteins which are which look similar to a lot of the proteins that are in cartilage. But the reality is, you have to eat them. Yeah. You have to digest them. They get broken down into their smallest molecules to get mm -hmm. into the bloodstream, and then for them to get miraculously reassembled in a joint somewhere that that happens to have some arthritis is a long stretch. Okay, so what is the good food to eat? I think, you know, protein's good. I okay. think, you know, just just a, a good balanced diet. And vegetables okay. are very good. Um, you know, you, I'm not a nutritionist, and, you know, my wife and I might differ on, on what, what uh, I consider to be a good meal and what she considers to be a good meal, but I think everybody's that way, you know. Yeah, just, just, you know, everything in moderation and just make sure you're getting enough vitamins and so forth. Now, in, in Ohio this part of Ohio, we have a lot of cloudy days. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so bone health is important, right? So um, you can't get vitamin D activated without exposure to ultraviolet light. Mm -hmm. And everybody runs around drinking, you know, processed bottled water. And that doesn't have fluoride in it. You need fluoride. Processed water bottle. Never heard yeah, it like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, I mean, you turn on tap water and you drink a, a, a glass tap water and you get fluoride. Mm -hmm. So you need to have fluoride. If you're drinking bottled water <clears throat> all the time, then you need to take some fluoride supplement. You need to take vitamin D. But in order for vitamin D to get activated, you need to have exercise. Okay. Your, your skeleton needs to be impacted. Okay. And it turns on turns on your bone making cells to be able to to be able to uh, make new bone. But vitamin D is activated in the skin under the influence of ultraviolet light. Okay. And so, especially if you live in an in an environment like ours where we don't have that many sunny days, or if you just like me in indoors all the time, it's it's worthwhile, you know, getting getting evaluated, making sure that you're your bone structure is good because you can have little micro fractures and sure. then that can be a source of collapse and weakness around the joint. Now, since it's always, uh, it seems to be always cloudy in Cleveland, do you suggest supplements or are you saying eat your vitamin D? Can you, you eat can, your vitamin D? You, you know, there, there are vitamin D supplements that you can take, mm -hmm. but the problem is you, you, your body will only absorb so much. Okay. And the same is true with calcium. And so, you know, you need vitamin D to turn on the to to be able to turn on your bone making cells to take the calcium out of your uh, bloodstream mm -hmm. and convert it into into bone. Okay, that's great. Yep. So let's say I am vitamin D deficient, and um, is there a certain milligram that we should go for when we are getting our vitamin D supplements? Again, that's something that you should you you know I, I mean. I think I think there's a certain amount of vitamin D that's that's sort of recommended, probably yeah. about 500 milligrams or something like mm -hmm. that. But the the reality is, if you think that you may be vitamin D deficient, you should see your primary care doctor or a nutritionist and get assessed to see what you need or don't need. Sure. Not, not everybody who lives in Cleveland is yeah. <laughs> is vitamin D deficient. But. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about carpal tunnel syndrome, okay. uh, which also seems like another common cause of hand pain. Um, how do these symptoms present, present themselves? Um, it can prevent carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, it can present in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. Typically, there's some numbness and tingling that people notice. Um, but this is a what we call a compressive neuropathy. It is it is results from compression of a nerve in the wrist, mm -hmm. and 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 that nerve sits right in the middle of the. Of, of, of your wrist here deep down on on the the two sides and uh, and on the floor is bone mm -hmm. there's a big hollow if the entire volume may be about the size of my thumb mm -hmm. and there are nine tendons that move your fingers that go through that tunnel and the most superficial structure is this nerve called the median nerve and that nerve gives you feeling in your thumb index middle finger and a little bit of your ring finger mm -hmm. The small finger or pinky and the outer portion of your ring finger get their get their sensory innervation from a different nerve called the ulna nerve on the outer side of the arm. So these these fingers in particular tend to be ones that are, that people feel um, discomfort in or some change in sensation in. But remember that nerves have multiple different types of fibers, mm 
and nerve endings. Mm -hmm. And as such, they're responsible for everything we feel, cold, hot, vibration, buzzing, tickling, burning, pressure. Mm -hmm. And so people can wind up having different descriptions of what they're feeling. But some of the classic things are that it, it happens with a lot of activity, happens when talking on the phone, happens when using a computer, mm -hmm. it happens when doing a lot of writing, it happens specifically when sleeping at night. So what happens when we sleep at night, once we do fall asleep, frequently our wrists flex. Mm -hmm. And keeping it flexed like this will start to prevent, will cause pressure on the, on the nerve. Sure. And that prevents the normal circulation of getting to the nerve. Nerve tissue in your wrist or hand isn't very different than nerve tissue in your brain. If it's not getting its blood supply, it lets you know. Mm. And these feelings can be numbness, tingling. People will typically describe waking up at night, shaking their hand like that. And, um, uh, and the same thing is true if you're driving your car, that sort of thing. The reality is that very few actual jobs that cause or job activities that cause this in, especially in white collar jobs mm -hmm. um, it's not caused by using a computer mm -hmm. it's not caused by writing but if you have it those activities can really exacerbate the symptoms mm -hmm. now if you're a jackhammer operator different story yeah. right or if you're you know if you're if you're a lumberjack or you know doing heavy construction with a lot of vibrations or a machinist, those those can be sources of, of, of the actual stimulation and irritation. Mm -hmm. And what happens there is that the the tissues around the nerve within this tight little canal start to build up. And think of it like when you have a suitcase that's completely filled normally, and you just decide you're going to throw in three more sweatshirts. You put them in, you close it. Everything inside gets a little tighter. Well, the problem is that that what gets compressed first is the nerve, mm. and that that starts to give you give you um, symptoms of these odd sensations. And uh, I just want to go back to the three fingers that you were pointing to mm -hmm. that would be affected the most by carpal tunnel is the thumb, and the pointing finger, and the middle finger. That's correct. And sometimes a little bit sometimes a little bit of the inside of the okay. ring finger. ring finger. Okay. Right. But it doesn't have to be all of them. It can be one or a couple of them and again it depends on which part of the nerve is being irritated the most okay so let's talk about prevention for that as well are there measures we can take yeah i mean the again uh, there are things that there are certain disease entities that that uh, exist mm -hmm. that uh, that can predispose to this such as diabetes again where it can affect the small vessels that nourish the nerve now it may take less compression to cause the nerve to react badly. Mm -hmm. um, thyroid disease untreated can, you know, hypothyroidism can, can cause this. It can be caused by gout, again, building up inside the, the wrist. There are certain uh, proteins which don't belong in certain tissues, one of which is called amyloid, um, which can be, this, be, be sourced either by a genetic trait or by uh, by some other disease entity where, where proteins are being made abnormally. Mm. And that tissue can get deposited in, the, in these tissues around the, around the nerve and cause more buildup of, of pressure inside there. So yes, we can get, we can, we can you know, make sure that we're 
if, if we have a predisposition or a known diagnosis of, of um, diabetes, we treat it. Mm -hmm. That if we have hypothyroidism, we see our endocrinologist as well and, and, and make sure that that gets treated. Um, if there's any family history of heart disease, not a bad idea to get it checked out and make sure you don't have amyloid. If you have a, if you, there's a concern where you're having a lot of back pain and you may be having um, a, a, a problem with your bone marrow, again, that could be you know the, the sign of, of a more rare condition called myeloma. But so while carpal tunnel and arthritis seem to be uh, very common. Uh, hand issues or pain. Um, can we talk a little bit about what other things could be the cause of hand pain? Sure. There are many, many things that can. Again, it, it can be that there's been minor injuries or fracture. You can, you know, the so-called jammed finger where you're playing basketball, got hit on the end and, you know, sort of played through the game, but the next morning it's stiff and it's sore. And there could be a, you know, a, a partial tear of a ligament. That's what we call a sprain. Okay. You can have a tendonitis, an inflammation of a tendon. That happens frequently in the in the, in the in the flexor tendons of the fingers. Mm. It's a very common entity. It's called stenosing tenosynovitis. And when it gets bad, the finger gets caught, and we have to wow. pop it open. And it's called a trigger finger. The same sort of thing can happen in the side of the wrist. It's called decrevains tenosynovitis, um, and that can cause pain when one tries to move their thumb or grasp something. That sort of thing. You can have tendonitis in the back of the wrist. Um, there can be there can be uh, a, 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 a rupture of ligaments in between the carpal bones in the wrist. There are eight little carpal bones, and mm -hmm. that uh, together form the, the the wrist that articulates with the forearm, and also then more more uh, out towards the fingers uh, with with the, the the bones of the hand. Mm -hmm. And any of those can be the source of of of, of pain. Um, you can also have pain in your hand because you have a pinched nerve in your neck. Wow. You can have you can have a um, a referred pain because of something something going on up around the elbow. A a again a nerve compression or a pinched nerve at the elbow. Uh, the ulnar nerve here can cause pain in those last mm -hmm. two fingers. The radial nerve, which is much less commonly uh, involved on the on the thumb side of the forearm, can get compressed. Tennis elbow or tendonitis at the elbow mm -hmm. can cause pain radiating down the forearm into the hand mm -hmm. as well. Well, there's there's a lot for you to diagnose to find out mm -hmm. where hand pain comes from, but I wanted to kind of go over, again, general tips for hand pain relief. I know we talked a little bit for arthritis, but just in general, um, for any hand yeah, pain. I think, I think you know, the, the, the tips are the same for all of them. Try uh -huh. to identify if there's a causative agent, and if there is, can you modify your activity to try to either eliminate or change um, how, how you're doing what you're doing so to, to minimize that that effect. Uh, secondly, um, there's a, you know, if, if we can identify certain, certain specific diagnoses based on any of these things, warm water, heat, that sort of thing helps. Massage can help relax, but for the most part, you just want to keep joints moving and tendons moving. Um, uh, if, if, uh, we can identify some of these things that may need a little bit more uh, support during the daytime. We mm -hmm. can have patients see our hand therapists who, can, who, who are very adept at making little supports that are flexible that can allow people to move and function without being rigidly you know, stabilized. Mm -hmm. Similarly, at night, 
it can be helpful sometimes to try some simple splinting just to keep the hands from getting in unusual positions. And finally, we can try things uh, that, that are called anti-inflammatories. There are a whole s slew of them, some uh, which you know are first line, but we need to be careful because A, they're cleared by kidneys, so you want to make sure you don't have any kidney disease. Uh, B, uh, they can uh, cause the stomach, some of them can cause the stomach to make extra acid, uh, which can cause gastritis or even an ulcer. Uh, some can have an effect on your ability to clot, what's called platelet aggregation. And so we want to be careful there that we don't have any bleeding disorders, we're not taking any blood thinners, anti anticoagulants, that sort of thing. Um, but nonetheless, once we make sure that we know exactly what we're dealing with, um, we can outline and, and target a, a uh, treatment regimen combining activity, careful you know, flexibility exercises, avoidance of provocative activities, mm -hmm. medication when indicated uh, with guidance and you know, with the precautions of how those work. Ultimately, those are all the things that we try, and occasionally an injection. Um, but the, you know, by the by, if 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 these basic conservative things aren't working, and we're dealing with a chronic, persistent problem that doesn't go away, you know, then then we look more into other diagnostic tests, such as imaging studies and some maybe even some blood tests to to look for inflammatory diseases. And ultimately, we make, it, we, we make a, a decision to discuss the possibility of surgery. But these are all, all non-life-threatening conditions. They, they may be very troublesome. I mean, they may affect quality of life. Um, so we have conversations, but in every case, the patient has to convince me that things are bad enough to want to consider surgery. That's always our last resort. That's, that's a good point. And then just one last question for you. Let's say I start having hand pain. Do I go to my primary physician? Do I go to an orthopedic physician? Um, I would say the first thing to do would be to go to your primary care physician. Okay. And we, you know, a lot of these very common conditions um, are, uh, are well treated conservatively. And we have an, a great, we have a great battalion of mid-level um, clinicians uh, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, who are incredibly skilled and well educated in the in the area of uh, treatment of these uh, as as first line treatments before you go to see an orthopedic surgeon sure. like me, you know. So um, I I would certainly recommend you know for a seeing seeing your primary care physician, and the primary care physician may say, well, you know, I think this might be a rheumatoid. Issue. I'm going to send you to see a rheumatologist. Or you know, it looks like you just kind of really tweaked your wrist and doesn't. I don't really see anything that looks structurally unsound. Why don't you go see one of the orthopedic PAs? Okay. So you'll be referred based on the yeah. symptoms and yeah. That's and if it's a, of course if it's an acute injury, if there's something that's that you know that that's badly damaged that needs emergent intervention, then you'll certainly get to me right off the bat. Right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for My sitting pleasure. here today. Sure. 
And to download our free hand and wrist pain guide on common conditions and treatment options, you can go to www.clevelandclinic.org slash hand and wrist. And to listen to more of our health essentials podcast from our Cleveland Clinic experts, you can visit clevelandclinic.org slash HE podcast or subscribe wherever you get our podcasts. And for more health tips, news, and information from Cleveland Clinic, make sure you're following Cleveland Clinic, one word, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.